are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is a capital. We have a little problem with our entrance and poop, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 137. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. Hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are very happy to be bringing you tonight an episode that is going to be all interview. That's about it. Right. Yeah, and Miles, it was very unfortunate we, we, that we were unable to hook up and make it happen that you are part of this interview, but it was kind of this, uh, you were working at 10 o'clock at night that night when I did the interview, and... Well, it didn't happen. It's the way it, it goes. Well, you know, and it was thinking these guys, these guys are from Australia. So you have time change and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it, these are the writers and creators of the uh, Legend of the Space Lord Mofo. And we won't explain what Mofo means. If you don't know it, you can look it up on the internet. <laughs> but uh, but this, these guys are comic artists, right? Um, it, so tell us, you, you read this, you read this, right? So tell us a little bit about what your impressions were reading. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we, we we're fans of uh, post-apocalyptic sort of dystopian-esque uh, um, stories, and it, it's definitely in this comic. Oh yeah, definitely. David and David and Pat are kind of the creators of it. David, I think, the uh, Pat's a writer. David's the illustrator of it, and they openly admit that they rip off Matt Max. Firefly, you name it. <laughs> they, they are proud of the fact. In fact, if you go down to their website, they have a list here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, it is um, – oh, influences. These are the influences. The Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Mm-hmm. Digital Storytelling by Yives. Monstro Magnet. Firefly. Mad Max. Outlaw Star. Deadwood. Great Balls of Fire and Martini Ranch. Mm. So has that Western feel in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the iconic image, I don't know if you remember this image or not from reading it, is when they have the um, the bus that's being pulled by a team of horses right uh, outside no, the bar. Now, yeah. yeah, so very well done. They're calling this, by the way, they're calling it cinematic, you're going to hear them talk about it, cinematic comic book telling. It's, it's, it's comic book, it's web comics that are meant to be viewed on your television. Hmm. And meant to be viewed almost like a movie. Okay. And so as you look at the panels and you look at the way they pan across the panels, it reads very much that way. Mm-hmm. And they're encro- they're encroaching on the end of season one. And uh, I don't know when season two will be out, but you'll hear them talk a little bit about it and what they're hoping happens with it. It is entirely free. Although they will have an, they will have a high-definition version of it available for you to view. Mm-hmm. High definition and a little bit less censored because it's kind of a Showtime type, type oh, okay. of show that that you can see. So it'll be gorier. It'll be more. It'll be the cable version. I guess the cable version, yes. The cable version, not the uh, network version of this show. So, but uh, we'll, we'll t- you'll hear them talk to us, talk to them more, and after the show's over, we'll just kind of l- let the interview uh, kind of sell itself. And I believe that's about it. So thank you so much for joining us for episode 137 here, and we'll see you on our next show. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Tonight, tonight for us, uh, almost noon for the people I'm talking with, uh, we are speaking with uh, Pat. I'm going mi- to mispronounce your last name, but it's, it's, it's Mac Namara. That's pretty close. 
Okay. Uh, okay, and and David G. Williams can't mess up that name. Uh, And these guys are kind of responsible for putting out a serialized online comic for free called Legend of the Space Lord Mofo. So, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. (laughs) You know, it took us it took us quite a while to coordinate this sucker. Yeah. We 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 originally. yeah, there was sickness, and we kind of scheduled it way back, and I don't know why it didn't suit us the first time, and then we rescheduled it, then you guys are sick, and then here we are, finally, finally, from the opposite side of the globe, bringing you guys. Uh, you guys are located in Australia. Where at? Oh, um, I'm just going to close the window in the, my room here, because i got traffic going past, oh. and it's like, it likes to echo all the way through the room. So. I, actually, I was enjoying the birds a little bit earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I'm right next to the uh, the foothills here in Adelaide, so I've got um, koalas in my backyard, and there's kangaroos up the hill, and and I've got, at the same time I've got buses and and uh, it's a bit of a drag strip in front of me. So no, there you go. Yeah, yeah, well, I get all sorts here. <laughs> and you said you're from what town in Australia? This is Adelaide. Adelaide, Adelaide. Yeah. Very good. Very yeah. good. Well. I guess I want to find out just a little bit about your background before we get into the actual reason we're here, which is the the comic itself. Uh, let's start with you. Let's start with you, Pat. Tell us a little bit. You're kind of the, I guess the story the storyteller of the two. If I if I understand my yeah. research correctly, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Tell me a little bit about your background. Maybe what got you into storytelling. Maybe. Why the sci-fi storytelling? Because it is kind of a sci-fi, maybe a little bit of fantasy type of storytelling here. Yeah, uh, oh, for me, it's in the blood. Um, my dad was a uh, publisher of uh, small press science fiction in Australia and fantasy, um, and so I, I, I grew up in a house which had a library of you know all of the best science fiction and fantasy that was out there at the time. So I, you know, I think I read Lord of the Rings when I was seven. And it was like the first time I got into it. So I was reading um, E. Doc Smith and Michael Moorcock and um, uh, Tolkien and Frank Herbert and all these great authors, you know, you know, before I hit my teens. And, and then I was on to um, William Gibson and Neuromancer and um, some of the, you know, the, the more groundbreaking stuff that's really shaping everything that's going on today and and of course, you know, Dad always used to take us to the, the movies. So you know, we went to Blade Runner and Terminator, as we were talking about before, and um, um, you know, Star Trek and you know, Two Thousand and One, and all these sort of great films growing up. So yeah, so my, my, my childhood was filled with science fiction and fantasy, and um, I've always wanted to tell stories. But it wasn't actually until I was probably hit about thirty that I that I actually started writing my own scripts. Before that, I was um, uh, doing computer games for a games company that I was part of. Um, um, and there I was the, the writer, but um, I was also doing 3D graphics and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a small small company, so we all did a, you know, a bit of everything. Um, but um, we did that for about uh, eight or nine years, never quite hit the big time. And so I have took what I learned there and, Moved on to my own stuff, so I've been written a couple of couple of novels. Uh, one was uh, this big illustrated fantasy series that I did with Michael Dukavich, which I'm still working on for um, Angel Phoenix Media, just called um, uh, Angel Witch um, Dragon Scarf is the first book, and then there's Angel Witch Triumvirate, which is the second, and it's um, it is literally a, an enormous book series. It's um, 300 pages, fully illustrated, and I think each volume weighs about three kilos. So if you get the sense of how big that book is, um, oh, wow. if you drop it on your foot, you'll break it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, we're still working on that. But in the meantime, uh, I wanted to do some of my, you know, actually tell some of my own stories. Um, and Space Lord is the first one. And I knew Dave from... Um, well, way back when I first started, like trying to get into comics and games, and um, Dave was looking to do something similar. He wanted to do some of his own stuff, so we sort of like formed a little bit of a partnership, and uh, mm-hmm. and here we are. And Space Lord is our is our first big leap into the 
into the world of comics. Oh, very good. Of our own. We want to find out a little bit more about that story and where that story kind of comes from. But let's let's find out a little bit uh, about Dave's background. Um, so you obviously you guys knew each other prior to doing this, which is kind of how this materialized. Tell me a little bit about your background in illustration and how 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 that all came about. Oh well, uh, starting with Pat, um, uh, I met Pat. Many years ago, I was uh, working as a background artist for uh, Glenn Lumsden. Uh, this, we were working on the, the Phantom uh, for Marvel Comics, uh, almost a revamped version. This was early 90s, mid-90s. Um, and so we were always coming together, all creative types, and we uh, began working together. Sadly, never got off the ground. But... Since then, we've always wanted to work together again, and um, over the years, I've done my illustrating, uh, working with different people, trying uh, to get things off the ground for myself, and now we've reached a point where we just really wanted to get back to the roots of almost what, what we were doing in the mid-90s, which was purely our own ideas, and so the experience we've both um, gained over the past almost 20 years has all led to uh, what we're doing now, and we're trying to pull it all together um, and try something completely new. This is all new to me, it's all new to Pat, and it's wonderful to be learning as we as we go through this process. Hmm. So, what got you into what got you into comic illustration? Um, I was always a fan as a child of uh, just comics, superheroes, everything, um, anything I could get my hands on, which was very little. Uh, we didn't really have many comics around here in the 70s in Australia. I never really saw many at all, but uh, whatever I could grab off the TV watching uh, cartoons, um, I was addicted. And um, throughout the years, I went through and I finally found my way when I suddenly came across probably the late 80s, I came across some more mature style comics and then I was completely addicted again. Um, I think the first one that grabbed my eye, I was late coming into it, but uh, was I couldn't believe there was a comic book uh, based on Aliens, the movie. Mm. I didn't think that was possible for some reason. It just never came to me. And at that moment, I went into a comic book store, didn't even know we had one here in Adelaide. <laughs> and that was it. Um, there went all my money. <laughs> oh wow! And so, when you first started illustrating, I imagine it was mostly uh, mostly print. I mean, how how were you illustrating when you first started? Uh, all uh, traditional, really? so everything traditional, um, everything uh, from all the layouts through, and then trying to learn the techniques, um, every technique that we could find um, in creating a. From the layouts through to the the final product, um, and once again here in Australia, it was uh, I always found it a little bit difficult because uh, we didn't have the connection that we have now, uh, where even products um, uh, uh, such as the brushes that we use, the um, the papers, the um, the ink, suddenly we can just order it on the internet. Whereas back then, just searching and searching through tiny art stores for basic materials. Um, that was an interesting time. Um, and, of course, uh, everything had to be sent uh, FedExed um, across to the US. So when I was working with uh, people like Glenn and then I was working with Michael Dudkiewicz and we worked on um, on uh, Batman, The Shadow of the Bat. We did a Catwoman annual, a Wolverine annual, and also a, an issue of Rebels. And all of that was FedExed. Um, which is terrifying. You finish the art, uh, you put all your work into it, and then it's just put in a large envelope, sealed and sent, and you're crossing your fingers. It makes it. <laughs> oh man! Now, yeah, so 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 different now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, can you talk? I know this is maybe taking a little bit longer to do this, but tell me about the transition for you from going from the old style of comic drawing into the digital world of that. Yes, uh, it's been very interesting, actually. Um, uh, uh, actually, it was a great struggle. Uh, at the beginning, I could never... Um, I, I got myself a Wacom tablet, uh, got into Photoshop, learning Photoshop. Uh, basically, I was, I was trying to paint and, uh, at the beginning with a, with a mouse, 
uh, it's not a good idea. Oh no, and, it's not. <laughs> no. And uh, that was that was very interesting. So there was a transition of using um, your traditional pencils or traditional ink scanning, and then trying to do what you could digitally. Um, then along came the Wacom tablet, which opened up new doors. But I could never quite get the hang of the Wacom, uh, which is you know, the the separate uh, drawing pad, and you've got your screen up in front of you while your hand is elsewhere. Um, so about a year and a half ago, I picked up a Cintiq, which is one of the Wacoms you, you just draw on the screen itself, and that changed everything. Oh, good. It was, it was more like doing a traditional um, comic once again. Very good, very good. Now, um, we want to get into the story. You guys call the comic, The Legend of the Space Lord Mofo, you, you call it a, a, a cinemagraphic, a cinegraphic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Explain what explain what you mean by that for our listeners that may not be familiar with that. Well, um, we wanted to do something that's uh, we wanted to tell a story that's completely digital. Um, um, I mean, we're, we've, I mean, everyone these days knows that you can get uh, comics, like the traditional style comics, uh, which have been scanned, and you can you can download them and you can read them on your iPad or your iPhone or, or whatever. But it's they're not really formatted for um, that screen. So you're sort of like scrolling. And, I mean, I know that there's sort of... You can get to like functions where, you know, the, it'll scroll for you from panel to panel, but it's not the same as reading a traditional comic book. I mean, I think it... You know, there's it's got some advantages in that you don't have to carry around everything. But, I mean, a real comic book... I mean, I've got my big shelf there, and so it's all filled with all my, you know, like my paper, my paper printed comic books... And they look great, but if you're going to do a comic for digital, then you may as well actually do it for digital. So don't bring the limitations of print if you're going to do something for digital. And that's sort of like something that I probably learned when I was doing games. I mean, when you do games, you're not trying to do something else. You're doing a game, and a game works for the particular medium that you're developing for. So comic, if you're going to do a comic for digital. You think, okay, what is digital? What's your screen width? What's your size? And all that sort of stuff. So um, we set out. We set out to say, okay, well, the screen is. We've we've looked at it in terms of um, uh, that, that in terms of a, a big screen TV. Um, because when I wrote Space Lord, uh, I always envisaged, envisaged it as very or cinematic. So it's sort of like. A big Sergio Leone, or, or um, you know, like Cameron-esque um, widescreen, big picture, big, big visual um, uh, view. So we set out to uh, our screen is is meant to look like and to give you that feeling of you're watching, or you're going to be looking through something that's got that cinematic feel, which is why we came up with the term cinegraphic. So it's. It's a combination of a, a, a comic, but it's presented with a very cinematic feel to it. Um, and then that fits very nicely on your iPad screen, or if you want to view it on your computer, then you can view it in, on, in your big screen TV or on your, on your big monitor. And it, it fits completely within that view. You don't have to scroll anywhere. You don't have to pan or, or move the screen. It all fits beautifully on that screen. And then... Um, then we started playing with the format of the digital comic, which is, I suppose, the next part of the story. So, um, Dave? <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, we began with the cinegraphic idea, um, and uh, we the, it, once you have a look at the uh, the Legend of Space Lord Mofo, you, you, you see the beginning is just a, it's a massive pan um, pan shot. Uh, so it's very cinegraphic. Um, and as we were doing that, we were learning more about ways, techniques of storytelling. Um, that's when we came across um, uh, Balak. Um, Mark Wade, if you if you follow Mark Wade and what he's doing with the um, digital comics, he always refers to Balak um, as his inspiration. The godfather of digital comics. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. um, and if you uh, look up on, on DeviantArt, he's um, about uh, digital comics. It's absolutely brilliant. It just shows 
so many possibilities and a lot which we haven't exploited yet and in such a short period of time. Uh, unbelievable. That was out a few years ago. And that affected us and the way we started looking at how we can tell digital comics and the story in in an even further way, rather than just our cinegraphic concept, which we thought was new and groundbreaking, then realised, hey, there's a lot more we can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're starting to really bring in new storytelling techniques um, within our whole digital format, and once again, specifically for uh, the, the the digital scene, with uh, with either on your iPad on the screen, or um, as we'd like to see it on on your large screen TV. Right. Now, do do you have people that actually uh, watch it on the uh, on their TVs? And kind of go through it. Uh, I we, do. Not, I we do. have. Well, you do. And uh, it, <laughs> I, I, there are people who watch it on there. I mean, these days your your, your computer monitor is. You know, I think you can get your twenty-seven inch computer monitor. Oh yeah, pretty big. And uh, I've got a couple of friends who, you know, they've got their computers hooked up to their big screen TV so that they can watch all their favourite shows. Not that you're meant to be doing it that way, but. but um, uh, a lot of people are, especially right. in Australia, because um, um, uh, TV shows here tend to arrive six months to a year later than they actually get broadcast in America. So there's a there are a lot of people watching TV from America as it happens in America here, and so they just hook up their big screen TV to their computer and it just plays on the big screen. So it's very simple for. Uh, I've got friends who actually read Space Lord and they put it on their 50 inch plasma and they just you know, they click through the panels that way. So yeah, yeah. I mean, all you it's have awesome. to all you have to do is just um, for those of you listening, uh, all you have to do is if you go to the website, um, uh, which we'll give later, is it I- Ironclad Imagineers? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's our yeah. publishing company. Yeah, um, although you can get to the website just you know spacelord.com. Yeah. So spacelordmofo.com. There you go. Uh, if if you watch through the first panels, you can see that cinegra- the cinegraphic pretty easily. Just the way it kind of pans across the screen, you see the dead body hanging there from the uh, billboard, and you know it's just a it, it does it it plays out like you're almost watching this on a uh, on a, on a TV screen, an actual TV show. So it's kind of cool that yeah. way. Yeah. 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 We, we wanted that sense of. Um, Something it's. I mean, if you're going to do a comic, do a comic. Right. And um, so we thought, okay, well, we're not just going to do a comic on a computer screen. Right. What 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 can we do? And it was like, well, we want to do this big long tracking shot. How do we do it? Well, you know, we we've got our big background, and we just change elements within that. And I think you, you've got to be careful about how much you do it. Otherwise, you end up do you end up looking more like a motion comic. And we didn't want to do that. Right. I, I don't think they really work. I mean, if you're going to, the more animated it becomes, and the more, then it becomes really just an animated little film. And um, we didn't want to go down that path. Um, so it's it's about finding the the, the middle ground, if you like, of something that takes elements of comics in terms of sequential story, sequential telling the story through sequential art, and, you know, and word bubbles and um, sound effects yeah. and that sort of stuff, um, like within the within the visual, but not having actual moving, you know, mouths and moving elements and, and, and actual sounds and voiceovers and that sort of stuff. So um, that tracking shot, I think, sort of like sets up what we want to do. And once you get into the bar and the, and the poker game that's going on, then I think we really start to you get the idea of the different the way you can. You can bring in character reactions to things and um, the different the, the way the two characters play off against each other. Right. I think we started to have a lot of fun with the comic elements in terms of the actual like the different panels and framing them against each other, and but still keeping that very um, cinegraphic um, um, theme and feel mm. to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, I want to talk a little bit about the background of the story itself that you're telling here. I mean, one of the you're talking about the bar that they're at, and we're kind of alluding to some stuff like the body hanging from the billboard. Uh, I think one of the iconic scenes for me, as I've kind of watched this, or one of the things that kind of struck me as I was reading through the first part of the comic here, is when they're outside of Helsey Saloon 
our shells of the bright sea restaurant saloon. Um, the you have a, a, basically a four horse. It's not a carriage. It looks like a bus hooked up to the back of these four horses. And I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, here we have a little bit of Firefly Serenity um, of a you know the little bit of a an old West meets a post apocalyptic future. So uh, we're not influenced by that. No, no, no. <laughs> so tell tell me a little bit about the the influences, a little bit about where the story comes from, and 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 uh, without we don't want to spoil the story. We want people to read it here, but what can we give us a little bit of background of it? Um, uh, influences, uh, uh, yeah, Firefly, Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I can see that. Westerns, mm-hmm. uh, uh, post a bit of post-apocalypse. Yeah, so it's um, in terms of the actual feel of the story itself, um, it's a dramedy. So there's going to be comedic elements. That some of it's going to be really over the top. Um, as as we get into it, um, I, I think as I'm writing it, I think I feel in terms of the way the story will and the characters will feel. It's probably a little bit more Buffy-esque in terms of the way that the characters are going to be a little bit more um, over the top, and whereas Firefly always felt um, a bit more real world. Um, I mean, Firefly's one of my favourite shows, if not my favourite show, but um, I didn't want to just do a Firefly, um, so it's, it's its own thing. Um, and I mean. It's called Space Lord Mofo, which is the polite way of... Am I allowed to swear on your show? Oh, but um, you can. We, uh, we, 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 are, we consider ourselves family-friendly. Okay. But, oh, I'll just but, say it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, when we first thought about it, um, the, we were really going to go with the full title, which is Space Lord Mother and... Yeah, you, you, you fill in the blank, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but... I, I then then I sort of like started telling people we're going to do this comic and it's going to be called the, the Legend of Space Lord Mother. <clears throat> and then I found myself and I kept having to like censor myself and I thought, well, if I'm censoring myself now, then how am I ever going to actually, you know, how are we ever actually going to put this comic out, you know, with that on the title? So um, we, we shortened it to Mofo, which everyone knows what Mofo means, right? Um, but within the comic itself, um, you know, people call. When, when you hear it, and I think in the in the latest the last the last part that we've just released, you know, she, you know the character Scratch says, you know, Space Lord Mother, you know. Um, so there's a lot of hyperbole to it. So it's going to be very big when when things really start happening. I mean, the, what we've got at the moment is all just set up. But it's it's a boiling sort of build to the reveal of who this character is and what the what's really happening. So. Um, in terms of the larger scope of where we're going, it's it's a love story with guns. Uh, that's our sort of like tagline. Um, it doesn't, but it is. It's, it it's, doesn't it's, seem like much of a love story right now. I'm just saying. Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. And that's that's the fun that we're having. It's it's all about um, um, you, you set up and then you surprise. So um, uh, so we've it's it's a love story about this this young married couple in space. Um, Brand McFoo and Honeypot, and you know it's it's a post-apocalyptic world. You know the galaxy's been through three three successive apocalypses. Um, like just everything's been laid to waste. Civilization is rebuilding in, in one little spot, which is um, uh, one part of the galaxy has started to rebuild. Um, these guys live on the edge, and outside the edge is is end space, and end space is the wasteland of the galaxy, so and which is most of the galaxy. So they're sort of, you know, like Firefly, they're living in that sort of like border area. But it's a bit more like, it's a little bit Mad Maxi, so they're sort of like this part of town. But there's also, um, it's in space. You've got different competing factions starting to rebuild. And when that happens, everyone's trying to, you know, reclaim territory, so it's you know, and establish themselves as the the new civilization that's going to come back and um, you know restore order to the galaxy. And of course, you know, you never know how that's going to turn out. So, um, so there's going to be a lot of 
stuff happening in the background as our two characters sort of try and make their way in the world. Uh, the, the opening story is planned out in, in seasons. Um, at the moment, we're only in episode one, and episode one is really just the setup of the two characters. Uh, um, the opening season will run for, I don't know, six or seven episodes. It's going to take us a while. <laughs> It is, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so it's there is a much larger story uh, already planned out that we are building towards. So it's we're in it for the long haul, and and you know it's um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, so when you guys create the story, I mean, uh, Pat, are you coming up with the story first? Or are we you guys kind of hashing this out together? Or do you come up with a story and say, here, I want to do the story. You pass it off to Dave. Dave says, well, that's going to work. That won't work. I mean, how's this go? Um, I, I came up with the idea for the story about five years ago. And I've been gradually working on it ever since. And, and I sort of like had a bit of a, a breakthrough I don't know, um, a year and a bit ago. And I just wrote the opening the opening episode, which turns out we've split that now into three episodes. Um, so I, I wrote a, a, a script for the opening and I sent it to Dave and said, hey, um, what do you think? you think we could do this as a, you know, like a, a digital comic? You know, this would be really cool. And Dave read it and, Dave, what did you think? Uh, <laughs> I think the answer was hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. Um, and that said, it was written more as a, uh, as a, TV script. It wasn't written as a comic book. Um, um, so that was very interesting. So uh, what we've had to do to adapt that um, is collaborate through every section of how are we going to tell this. Um, so it's a matter of sitting down with the script that we have, um, putting it out, and some things have had to be taken out. Some things uh, we don't show because it won't fit within the visual medium, whereas in if it was for a TV show, yeah, absolutely, you could do some things. Um, so we really think things through as to pacing. Um, how are we going to pace this? Do we need to add an, another small scene, like a, a reaction from a character to really tell the story? Um, and a lot of this has been uh, part of the experiment of how are we doing this? Um, so it's very much very close collaboration. Uh, Pat has a lot of um, yeah, say on how it looks at the end as a visual. Oh, very good. Yep. Now, yep. now um, so from from start from 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 concept to the time that the actual uh, till it actually gets put into gets published, how much time transpires for you for a single episode? About. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> That's what we're still working out. Yeah, it's been very interesting because. We're in no man's land. Uh, there's no books you can read up on this at this stage of how long things are meant to take. And we are constantly getting it wrong between us, like, oh, this shouldn't take long, should it? And off we go. Uh, and then it's like, oh, dear, this is taking a bit longer than I expected. Um, and the other issue is when it comes to things like concept design, we are doing it as we go. Um so we haven't got the time to sit aside and spend a year, let's say, designing all the worlds, all the vehicles, all the costumes, all the characters. We have jumped in the deep end, so it's a matter of doing it as we go, um, which has made it difficult in some ways, but in other ways it's forced our hand into really pushing our ideas as fast as we can to come up with a result that we're both happy with um, and it, it adds some more excitement, I, I think, to what we're doing because it's it's now, it's fresh, it's go, it, and then bang, it's up, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's really cool. You sit there and you've you've written something, you've got an idea for it, and then you're seeing it come to life, and it's and then we release a part, and it's like, wow, it's up, you know, it's, it's there, it's really cool. And mm, it's then like, then I crack a beer. Yeah, it's yeah. like woo. Yeah. <laughs> Next part's up. So it's it's been. It's been a really uh, exciting exercise in, in seeing uh, um, something of our own that we've 
we've developed, and it's and as Dave said, you know, it's all the, the digital part of it is something completely new. Um, I mean, sequential storytelling, you know, you know like comics isn't new, but uh, the way we're doing it is, you know, I, I think we were both surprised that there aren't more people out there doing what we're doing because, I mean, for us it's a bit of a, it just doesn't seem that big a step, but, mm. um, um, and I'm surprised that there aren't more people like leaping in and, and doing it. Um, it seems like a natural evolution of comics uh, that um, that uh, people would start drawing them for the digital medium. Um, so, but it's 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 good because we get to we we're making our own rules as we go, and we're not um, we don't have anyone else saying, "Well, you can't do that." You can only do it this way. Right. Your your panels must be this size, and um, you can you must set the pacing this way. We're sort of well, we've got the freedom to um, tell the story as we want to tell it in the way we want to, and show it the way we want to show it. So um, we're, we're masters of our own destiny in that way. Oh, very good. Well, now. I have to ask. I mean, the comic is so beautifully done artistically, and and, and the story, you know, so gritty, but 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 so well told. Uh, is there a reason why you chose to go with a free medium? Uh, we're new. Nobody's ever heard of us, and digital comics are very new. Uh, and the only way that you're going to get people these days uh, uh, to look at your stuff is you've got to you've got to your stuff out there I mean and I mean the other thing is you know everything is free these days I mean you know, as I was talking about with television I mean um, I think Australia we're we're the world's biggest pirates in terms <laughs> of pirating content and why is that because you know we're we're, we're six months to a year behind on everything right in, th- in this day and age people just are not willing to wait mm-hmm. they want to see stuff as it comes out and they want to see it now and you can get it. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing you can't really get on the internet um, for free. And yet, when people really love stuff, they pay for it. You know, people really. If you if you're a, if you're a fan of a show, if you're a fan of a comic, you support the stuff that you love. I mean, that's that's how. Um, I mean, we've 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 got a lot of friends in the who you know who are in the. I suppose you know the fan community. I mean, we're fans ourselves. Uh, I mean, we've all got box sets of our favourite shows on the shelves. We've all got our favourite comic books on the shelves. We've mm-hmm. got DVDs and, and Blu-rays and all that sort of stuff of our favourite films. I mean, that's what you do these days. I mean, your, your favourite music, you still buy the albums and the songs because you want to support the stuff that you really love. So, for us, we're putting the stuff out there for free. Um, in a in a lower a slightly lower res format. Uh, once we've got each episode finished, we're going to release the height the, the HD, um, which will really look will really shine on your big screen TV. Um, and we're going to release that in a format that if you really like what we're doing, then we'll hope that you'll pay your your, your ninety nine cents for. Mm. Um, um, and. Um, but that seems to be the way that things work these days. So. Well, you know, it was, it was funny. We, we just came from a convention that we went to, and there's been a it was a, a lot of authors there, and a lot of authors are are podcasting their stories first, uh, yeah. and then once the, and that is for free, and then they'll uh, you know work it into book form, and a lot of them are making a decent income from people that have become fans of the podcast and say we want to support yeah. you, and it's exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. So it's a, the same type of concept, and it's interesting because it's it's kind of flipped from the way we've been we've been traditionally been consuming our media. We, we'll buy our yeah. media and and then we'll pay for it, and here we go. But I, I'm, I mean, the, the entire way that the entertainment business has worked in the past has changed. I mean, and I, I, I mean, as a, for me personally, there's. Sometimes it's a bit annoying when you just because somebody puts something out there and it's cost a certain amount of money to to produce, and I accept that that's the fact that it does. There's an expectation that you should pay for something even if it's no good. Right. Whereas that 
that to me sounds a bit strange. Like, well, you don't get to try before you buy. And when you had free-to-air TV and that was king, then everyone used to watch their stuff. I mean, there was advertising, but you didn't have to buy stuff. It was right. there. You, you tried it, and then you went out and bought your, your, your video collection because you really liked it. Um, whereas now there seems to be a... business side of it is, you know, we'll put stuff out there. You must pay for it even if it's crap. Um, whereas well, I, I don't want to support stuff that's crap because there's so much mm. stuff out there. I want to support stuff that's good. Right. So that's where I'm going to put my money. I'm going to put my money on the stuff I really like and which I feel deserves to be, you know, my support. So, uh, but I'm going to try stuff and see what it's like. So, we're we're embracing that, that that model, if you like. And I think yeah. um, Mark Wade did a you know, post on his um, on his website uh, last week, I think, where he um, he basically advocated piracy as the, the best way to get your product out there. I mean, it's the best and the easiest way to, to spread the word about your project. You just you put it out there. You let people share it. You let people sp- spread the word for you. And it's that thing of well, you know, if people really like your stuff, then they'll support you. I mean, that's, that's, that's how the, the fan community tends to work. I mean, there'll always be some people who will take the, take your stuff and maybe they'll never spend a, a dime on you, but they'll, they'll keep reading it. But they might tell their friends and their friends might then pay for it, you know, because they want to pay for it. But it's, it's all about getting the work out there and getting people reading it. Uh, At the moment, we're, we're, we're only a... You know, we're a couple of guys in, in Adelaide on the other side of the world producing a comic, which at the moment few people have heard of. But we want to spread the word, so this is, I think, the best way to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and it's, uh, and, and so, you know, whether someone reads it and never buys an issue but then shares it with friends is kind of a win either way yeah. because if their friends end up giving you something for it or they'll buy a t shirt or they'll, they'll do something to help support you guys, it'll. Yeah. It, it, it all it all kind of rolls out in the end, and I think I think you're right in that it really forces people putting stuff out there to do the best job they can. So they so you yep. so they aren't giving out crap, and you aren't having to buy crap. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, so, what are some way? Uh, first of all, we we haven't really mentioned is the website that they can find. Um, the legend of the Space Lord Mofo is, is it, am I correct in saying it's www.spacelordmofo.com? That's it. That, and that'll get, that'll get them there. Um, and uh, you have a bunch of stuff. You have the episodes there. You have a blog. Um, what, other, what other things do you have on the site? Uh, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff coming. I mean, uh, I mean, there'll be character bios and there'll be background information and there'll be, you know, like, It'll have its own little, you know, like wiki site eventually about all the stuff that's happening. We're still very early days in the storytelling, so there's not a lot of stuff up there like that. Because I mean, I think we both feel that it's it's best to actually learn the story through the story rather than oh yeah, um, you know, read all of the material that's on the website and then go to the story. You sort of want to, you know, you want to discover stuff, you know, within the storytelling process. So. Um, but, you know, we've got some T-shirts on there that you can get. Um, like you said, we've got the blog uh, that um, once once we're um, a bit more um, uh, established with what we're doing, we'll be adding a lot more content onto the blog in terms of, you know, how we've made what we've done and a bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff, um, a bit more of the, you know, showing Dave's, you know, our initial sketch or, or my, my, um, my, my stick figures. Uh, to Dave's, you know, beautiful finished artwork, and just see um, the the transformation and how we build each each piece of art, um, each work of art, uh, each panel or each page and each each part. Um, so we've so so we'll be uploading stuff to the blog. There'll be the website, which will continue to, to build and expand. Um, we've got a you can subscribe to it as well. So. Not only can you go to the website to get it, um, but you can also you can download the parts for free. There's a link there. You can just download it to your website. 
So you can read it on the web, you can download it and read it wherever you want, or you can actually subscribe and then each each time we release a part, we'll actually email you it as it comes out. So And there is um, the all parts so far um, yeah. section where you can download it's updated every time we do a post and it's updated with the entire story. So yeah. you can just grab that as a PDF. Uh, just uh, right-click save as and off you go and read it wherever you like. So if you've never read anything, you don't have to go through each uh, each part of the episode, which can be a bit time-consuming. You can get it all in one hit, you can read it all, catch up, and you'll have read everything that there is so far. Mm, very good. So if people fall in love with the comic, comic the best way to support you is, is how right now? I mean, I'm looking on the website and... There's the only thing, the, the only, the only, the only, the only well, well, tell, you, tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Because yeah. right, right now, right, right now, you can't pay for the comic yet. Is that correct? No. Look, if there is a thing where you can send an email, and if you really feel like it, and you want to say, I want to give you guys money, uh, you could. But um, there is no thing on there at the moment. So right, right. Individual choice. But we are looking at doing a Kickstarter campaign fairly shortly. But we want to get the first episode finished, or this this first episode finished, so people have a, a fully contained storytelling, a piece of storytelling that showcases, this is what we want to do, this is how we're going to do it. You can see the sort of style that we're doing, you get a feel for the story and the characters. Now, you know, um, if you really like that, then support us and, you know, pledge and help us, you know, get the next part of the story going. I mean, we're going to be doing this either way, but it's about—it's all about time. And um, so, if we do have a budget behind us, then we can do more stuff. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so the, the Kickstarter campaign will be probably starting um, yeah, not this month, but next month. So all right. So if people hop and ki- hear this and they want to hop and Kickstarter and check it out, they can easily do that, maybe as well. Not, not yet. So. Not yet, they can't. So we haven't launched it yet. Yes. But, uh, so don't check it yet. But <laughs> don't check. Yeah, check check the blog. And yeah. as soon as we've got stuff happening, uh, we'll be making announcements everywhere. Yeah, and that would be a, and that would certainly be another way that they could support you. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Well, awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for chatting with us here on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We got a decent interview here, about forty-five minutes of stuff that we can chat about, and um, some good some good content. And I'm looking forward to seeing the completed episodes. I'm caught up, so I'm uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to when the next episode drops, and uh, yep. and hopefully our listeners, if they're into it again, we maybe we didn't say this, but this is a more mature comic. Yeah, it it's, is. Well, as I say, it's for mature audiences. I'm not really sure about the mature part. Right, 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 right. Um, but it, I, I think you mentioned somewhere that it's kind of would be fit for HBO, and that's probably true. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's um, in terms of the content. I mean, we're looking at it in terms of um, uh, like a True Blood. If you're a fan of True Blood or something like that, in terms of um, yeah, it's going to get a little bit racier as we go. Um, you know the, uh, the the free version that's online and downloadable will, will be will we we have self censorship in there so swear words have have the you know the appropriate like you know uh, symbols skulls, skulls, yeah. symbols and stuff um, but the the full version that uh, when we do release that that will be the full uncensored version so yeah oh very good. So the, 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 you know, the space Lord mother <coughs> will yep. be the full space Lord mother. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave and Pat, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight. Cheers. Hey, thanks, thanks Thank you. Thank you. No, it's uh, we, we the re- the rewinds that we do uh, allow us to have a lot of fun just going back to the movies that we kind of grew up on and say, okay, how do they hold? How do they hold water? How do they stand the test of time? And what do we think about them? And what was groundbreaking? And what do we kind of look back and say, ah, that was really cheesy? So, yeah, yeah. So, but always been 
always has been a I've always been a fan of the Terminator franchise, both in uh, the TV medium and then also the the four movies that came out. Although I did not see number three, as you if you, you might have heard in the yeah. podcast. So. Yeah, um, uh, we were only about halfway through the yeah. rewind, so we haven't got all the way through no. it. Yet. No. Um, well, Pat was just telling me what. Uh, how many times did you see it in the cinema? Uh, I saw the first one yeah, five times. Wow. Just. <laughs> And I think over over here, you had to be over 12 to see it, and I was just over 12, so I was very happy. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that in a theater, because I think my parents would have killed me if I went to the theater to see that movie, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Nowadays, it's tame compared to what's out there, but... Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I've read somewhere that uh, the latest Blu-ray edition of Hellraiser is now rated PG. Really? Are you serious? Uh, it, it went from X top of yeah. R down further, and now it's even PG thirteen. It's yeah. nothing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know. What's the yeah. world coming to? What's the world coming to? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Fun. I think what the world's coming to is what we see in your comics. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> 